yin and yang, good and evil, peanut butter and jelly. You can't have one without the other. Just like this show, where you can't get good animal information without having a weird animal expert like me, who spent the last 10 years of my life picking up animal shit. Hi, I'm Deidre, and this is Weird Animal Facts Explicit, a show dedicated to the weird, odd, unusual, gross, and oftentimes disturbing facts about animals. And today, we will be getting a bit gross and disturbing. As a reminder, this is not a show for your children. Although the tapeworm segment of the show may frighten your children into obedience, but I'll let you decide what you'll subject your children to. And because half of today's show is going to be rather disgusting, I thought for the second animal, we'd talk about one of the cutest animals I could think of. The fennec fox! And I know I already did a fox species a couple months ago, but the fennec fox is very different than the arctic fox, and way cuter! So in today's episode, we'll be talking about balance. I first talk about the tapeworm that may very well make some of you want to vomit, but I balance it out by rewarding you with the cuteness of the tiny yet big-eared adorable face of the fennec fox. I know the theme is a bit of a stretch, but I don't get paid for this, so bear with me. Tapeworms! Gross. Now, before you guys either turn off the episode or fast-forward to the fennec fox part, I want you to know that I'm going to try very hard not to make this tapeworm segment too disgusting. And I have challenged myself to present the tapeworm, yet still in a weird way, as that is the way of the show, but I will present the tapeworm in a better light. So are you ready to be pleasantly surprised with tapeworm facts? If not, that's okay, I won't hold it against you. Also, just because I'm talking about tapeworms and fennec foxes today does not mean I'm talking about the tapeworms of fennec foxes, or does that mean all fennec foxes have tapeworms? These are just the topics of today's episode. That's it. They are separate animals. One just happens to be gross and the other adorable. And at the end of today's episode, you can decide which is which. So let's officially get started. Finally. Tapeworms. While most animals we discussed in Weird Animal Facts have a specific continent or country they call home, the tapeworms of the world call your intestines home. Well, maybe not your intestines, but maybe some animals' intestines. And yes, a tapeworm is an animal. Just because it's a parasite does not mean it's not an animal, because it is. And now it's time for... Why it's an animal! Put 30 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. How do animals get energy? Food that they consume. Uh, like such as shoving a cookie in your mouth. Correct. How do plants get food? The sun. Correct. Why aren't bacteria considered animals? Because animals are multicellular organisms. Correct. And what's that fancy word for organisms that we're talking about with a nucleus? Um, yurikoidae. Yurikoidae? You're a code. Do I lose points for saying it wrong? I'm going to say no, because I don't think I can say it either. Let's have the phone say it for us. Eukaryotic. Eukaryotic! That is how it's pronounced. (laughs) 
That means the over 5,000 species of known tapeworms in the world are all animals. Now, allow me to get real scientific for a moment. And now it's time for Scientific Corner with Deirdre, where she sits you down to talk straight with you about science. Alright, so when scientists classify shit, it's for a reason. Think of it like the map of all things. In chemistry, we have the periodic table. In math, we have numbers that we count. And with animals, we have the taxonomy classification. Kingdom phylum class. Order. Family, genus, species. And just like when you're sorting out your M&Ms by color because you're a weirdo, you have requirements. All the blue M&Ms go over here, while all the green ones go directly into your mouth. Now this obviously is a very simplification of classification. But imagine if you had a bunch of different types of food in a giant pot and it was your job to sort them out. For this example to work, you need to open your mind and just go with what I'm saying. So we're going to imagine that food would be the kingdom. Remember kingdom, phylum, class, order. Kingdom, phylum, class, order. Family, genus, species. I have to sing it, otherwise I don't remember the order. <laughs> so food is kingdom. That means leave all the rocks and kayaks outside. We don't want them. Phylum would be the type of food. So in our example, candy. As we aren't about to go sort through carrots or broccoli. Ugh. Class would be the type of candy. Is it a mint, chocolate, gum, a candy bar, gummies, rock candy, etc, etc, etc. This then brings us to order. Our example of M&Ms would be types of chocolate. That's what the order would be, types of chocolate. So that means think about like milk or dark chocolate or white chocolate. Also, is there caramel in the center of the chocolate or is it peanut butter? Now for the family, that would be M&Ms themselves. All of them, from plain, peanuts, pretzel, almond, mini, you get it. As for the genus, that would be peanut M&Ms, meaning that the species would be a green peanut M&M. And yes, I know all this sounds like I just made it up because I did. But somebody also made up the classification of animals, and all scientists just decided to go along with it, and that's why it is what it is. But because of that, it allows us to see what animals are more related to others. Like I said, it's a roadmap of animals. That's why we know like a fox is related to a dog and not a cat because of this map. But we're not talking about foxes right now. We're not getting the cute stuff. We're on tapeworms. Now, when it comes to the tapeworm classification, as mentioned, they are in the kingdom of Animalia. That's animal, by the way. And then after that, it gets weird as it gets to the phylum, as the phylum is called, I'm going to sound this out and sound out incorrectly, probably, Plythihalminthus. Plythihalminthus. Yep, as you can tell, I'm not good at reading things that are not normal English. More on this later. Platyhelminths. Platyhelminths. That's what it sounds like to me. And what a plata plata helmet is they're basically just flatworms and if you don't know what a flatworm is they are pretty cool maybe not the tapeworm flatworm but there are flatworms that live in the ocean and they are these creatures with no bones and look like well they look like a pretty worm that are just flat and the ocean ones come in a lot of really different cool colors fun fact leeches who are also parasites are not flatworms nope they belong to the phylum of 
Annelida, or basically segmented worms. That's the same phylum as the earthworm that you shove into the end of your fishing hook. All right, enough of this smarty science talk. Let's get into tapeworms. Although technically they'd be getting into you. And can range from one centimeter to 10 meters. All inside your body. And as a zookeeper, when I think of tapeworms, I think about the fact that the animals I care for could get one. And then later I have to watch one of my coworkers pull the dead one out of the opossum's butt. True story, disgusting, but true. And by the way, even your pets at home can get them. That's why it's important not to let your dog eat that pile of shit during walks. There could be a tapeworm egg in there. That's why, even though it may make you feel like a mere peasant to your princely poodle as you degrade yourself by shoving your hand inside the bag like a vet does a glove before reaching to a cow's ass, and then squat down to expose your most vulnerable area to the world in order to pick that shit up, you must do it! Picking up your dog's shit is how you stop the spread of animal parasites and disease. Think of it like washing your hands or coughing into your elbow. With our powers combined, we can save a species! As for tapeworms, though, I don't know if there's really an ecological benefit to them, so pick up your dog's shit to kill a species! <laughs> Although some tapeworms can also be spread via fleas. So give your cat and dog flea medication. That'd be the responsible thing to do. The job of the tapeworm is to find its way into your gut, where it will then attach the wall and then suck away nutrients from your body. And if you want to know about the specific tapeworm that we're talking about today, it is cestodes. And yes, I had to look up how to pronounce that correctly. And I'm going to say it correctly the entire time. Cestoad, 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 cestoad. Cestoad. And this, by the way, is the class of tapeworm. Cestoad. So with all the tapeworm talk that we're doing today, like the gross, nasty, disgusting talk, I mean, I'm talking about cestoads. Not those pretty colored ones in the ocean. Cestoads. Those are the ones that your dog and cat can get. And even you, I guess. I'm talking about the ones that are an interior ornament for your cat, and when it's dead, looks like a very thin and long-used condom. And if you're grossed out by that, well, just know I could have said that a lot grosser. So, you're welcome! Remember that scene in the original Alien movie, when they're all sitting around the table without a care in the world, then that guy starts acting weird? Well, that, just by the way, that... That weirdness that happens to him, if you see in the movie, which you should because it's a great movie, that won't happen to you or your pets if you get a tapeworm. But the way the baby alien uses his body like a college student does an open bar, well, that's kind of what a tapeworm does. An actual tapeworm, not that many people get a chance to see one as they live inside you like your Christian faith, looks like an alien. Not the alien from the Sigourney Weaver franchise, but any of those weird alien movies where the creature grabs on the human like a leech. Even though leeches aren't flatworms, but they are all parasites. Try not to get confused. Cestoad! Cestoad, cestoad, cestoad. I think I'm saying it wrong. The typical tapeworm, like the one that is regularly found inside the guts of dogs and cats, have a head that looks like the Panic Pete 
squeeze toy, only where the popping eyes and nose would be, they are suckers. While the tip of the head is where the mouth really is and is equipped with hooks to lash on to the GI wall. But keep in mind that this is just the head. As you go down, it can range in size depending on the age and how long the host has to live. Never let go. As a tapeworm, in a sense, robs you of your youth, it grows what looks to be segments. Even though it's not a segmented worm, there's a difference. In those segments are all the parts needed to make more tapeworm babies. <sighs> Yay. And when the stork comes for the tapeworm, it's odd to say the least, as the adult tapeworm attached to the gut wall gets more food from the host, it grows longer. And as it grows larger and longer, it grows more of those segments that are actually called proglottids. Don't think I can say that. Proglottids. Proglottids. Nope. Said it wrong still. Proglottids. 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 Okay, that's what it's called. Whatever the phone said. I can't say it right, obviously, but that's what it's called. Those little segments where the babies are developed, or eggs are developed, I suppose. Anyways, those prologued sir. Anyways, they will break off, and within that prologued are the eggs, so that when the host takes the Browns to the Super Bowl, it then unsuspectedly delivers tapeworm babies! Actually, they're just eggs at this stage, but eggs are still babies depending on who you ask. Fun fact! Once the eggs are out of the host and just sitting on the ground in that pile of poo, the eggs can survive anywhere from days to months later. So pick up your dog shit. The eggs don't hatch until they're inside their next victim, will then grow that panic peat head and attach to the gut wall to start this beautiful circle of life all over again. When the day the tapeworm arrives in the body, it just holds on to the gut wall. Better make sure you pick up that shit so that my dog doesn't get tapeworms. That song went into a completely different direction than I thought. Totally just made that up. That's what we get. We're drinking and doing podcasting. Whoa, 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 what? Only had half the drink. I'm not even halfway through the episode. This should be golden. Go ahead and keep in mind that for one tapeworm, they can grow as many as 2,000 proglutids. Proglutids? Remember those are the segments where the babies are? So that means that in one tapeworm's lifetime, they can have as many as... A hundred thousand eggs! What a happy mother to be. Father. Mother? Father? They have both parts, mother and father, within those things, so they actually reproduce themselves. They don't have to go find a little little penis and a little vagina to go hanky-panky. They just do it internally. It's just easier that way. Speaking of easy, let me easily entertain you with... Scientific Names. I heart. Where I ask my roommate Emily to write on a folded piece of paper the name of today's animal scientific names, which I don't look at until now. And as you already heard, I kind of suck at it. So we are going to do two today. We are going to do the tapeworm that you usually find in dogs and cats, and also the tapeworm you usually find in cows. Let's start with the cows first. 
No. Oh, she wrote two of them down. Fuck. Manizia. Manazia Benadina. Manazia Benadini. Okay, that was okay. But there's two on here. Um, so I guess there's two that you can find in cows. Moo. Moo. Moo moo. Mani. Manizia Expanza. Manizia Expanza. Now let's do the tapeworm for cats and dogs. <clears throat> I don't like this word. Dipilidium. Dipilindium. Caninum. Dip, dippy, dippy. Dipilidium. Dipilidium. Cani, caninum. Caninum. I mean, it's like canis because it's found in dogs. Dainy lip, lidium. And those have been the scientific names for three different types of tapeworms. Hope you don't have any. It's the transition song from going to one topic to the next. It's the transition song so that we have no awkward silence. Fennec Fox. The best reward for having to sit through and learn about the last animal. So congratulations for making it this far. And as your reward, as promised, the Fennec Fox! <laughs> if you have never heard of the Fennec Fox but are a Disney fan, if you've seen the movie Zootopia, that little cute fox I was helping out Nick by wearing that elephant costume, that what is the Fennec Fox. Cute, right? And this animal has nothing to do with our last animal. This one is cute. Aww. If you happen to listen to the Arctic Fox episode, then you have a basic idea of what the Fennec Fox looks like. Only imagine a mini version of the Arctic Fox with thinner and tan fur and ears that would make Dumbo envious. Because when we talk about the Fennec Fox, we are all ears. If a normal-sized wolf had ears the same proportion to the body size of the fennec fox, their ears would be over a foot tall. Kind of weird, but cute at the same time. But why have such big ears? The better to hear you with, my dear. <laughs> oh. Yes, those big ears are for hearing, but the secret sauce has to do with adapting to where they live. The dessert! Oops, no. Um desert. I put too many S's. However, S starts with the word sand, and there's lots of sand in the desert that this fox calls home. And it also starts with the desert that this fox calls home. The Sahara Desert of Africa! Desert, not dessert. Now you may be thinking, how is having more surface area exposed to the sun beneficial for this cute little durable thing? I know whenever I go in the sunshine, in nothing but my undies, I get burnt because my skin hasn't seen the sun since my third grade teacher made me go outside and play with the other kids. Before I give you the answer, we need to understand how blood flows. As we learned from any good slasher horror film, our body is filled with blood. When someone in those slasher flicks slashes open the skin of their victim and blood squirts everywhere, 
This can be a bit of an exaggeration, but not necessarily. When an artery is ruptured, or if Chucky slashes open your throat, blood will squirt out. Maybe not to the extreme of Evil Dead, but there is a scientific explanation for it. Your heart's job, aside from making you a hopeless romantic, is to pump blood through the veins of your body. And your heart is strong. Every time your heart beats, it pumps out more than a shot of whiskey amount of blood out from the heart. And that may not sound like much, but neither did those 10 shots of tequila on your birthday last year. Yeah, and now you can't drink tequila, can you? Because those shots quickly add up. Imagine if you had to take a shot every time your heart beat. Please don't do this, okay? As you will die. Don't do it, okay? Just imagine. Use your imagination. Don't actually do it. Now, in a single day, our heart pumps over 9,000 liters throughout the body. So because of our big, strong heart, our blood is always moving. Fun fact, 9,000 liters of blood would equate to over 300,000 shots of tequila. Party on, bro. Yeah, yeah. Shot, 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 shot. Everybody shot, 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 shot. Everybody. Now I want you to imagine those large ears of the fennec fox. Not only are those ears large, but they're also very thin. Like us, the fennec fox has veins that flow all throughout their ears. That means blood is flowing through those veins and through their ears. FYI. As we know, the Sahara Desert can get very hot. And on hot days, what we all love, aside from a cold beer, is a cool breeze to blow through the air. Those large ears of the fennec fox works almost, almost like sails on a boat trying to catch those cool breeze. But instead of wanting that breeze for mobility, they want that cool breeze to touch their blood. The blood that's in the veins of their ears. All those veins pumping that blood throughout the fennec fox's body and then into the ears actually help to cool the fennec fox. Because as that cool breeze hits the blood flowing through those thin, large ears, it cools down the blood. And now that cooled blood continues to flow throughout the fox like a radiator, ultimately keeping the fox from overheating. Literally everything about the fennec fox is designed for the desert. Take their cute, adorable feet, for example. Like some dogs, they have long fur that grows out between their toes, working like sandals on the hot, sandy beach, keeping their cute toe beans from getting burnt. Not only that, but the fur doubles as cleats as they run along the sand, allowing for more traction. What does the fox say? No, no, stop, stop. Actually, the fennec fox does make a cute yet annoying noise. So basically, imagine a gremlin screaming, but with the high-pitched annoyance of that squeaker toy your dog's not allowed to play with. If nails on the chalkboard could make your throat hoarse, this would be that sound. And that's the noise they make when they're excited. And for those of you who follow all those cute animal pages on Facebook and have seen a fennec fox in a living room and think to yourself, Hey, I want one of those cute little things as a pet. Don't do it! As cute as they are, they are not domesticated. Yes, they are in the canine family, but they are very far away from your cute pupper at home. 
I've worked with fennec foxes before. And if you thought training your dog not to piss in the house was tough, you will most certainly not be able to train a wild animal. Do not buy a fennec fox or any wild animal as those animals are not pets. Imagine the worst cat you ever met mixed with the stubbornness of your very conservative grandfather who also happens to scream all the time. What a nightmare. That's what you get with a fennec fox. Oh, also, they have a very particular diet that's more variable than the salad bar at a Vegas buffet. Not to mention it's illegal. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me while I'm in my zoo uniform just to tell me about that exotic pet they had when they were a kid. That's not okay. The reason why zoos have all those animals is because they can't be released. So zoos use those animals as educational opportunities to teach you. And in some cases, to help grow a species population and to make it stronger through genetic diversity. Also, every animal care professional at a zoo is highly trained. They have at least a four-year college degree, if not higher. They know what the fuck they're doing a lot more than your dumb Uncle Paul who thought letting a squirrel into the house was a good idea. And animals at zoos, they are not pets. If you want to know one of a zookeeper's biggest pet peeves, it's calling the animals they care for pets. If you need help knowing the difference between pets and non-pets, check out the domestic dog and rabbit episode, as that episode is about domestic animals and tells you what makes them domestic. Phew. <laughs> okay. Let's get back to the fennec fox and those ears, which can be as tall as six inches. Yes, they are still the smallest canine species in the world and quite possibly the cutest. Only the arctic fox and my dog are a competition. But the fact that the fennec fox does weigh less than three pounds may move them up in the running. Small things are just cuter, except for tapeworms. It doesn't matter the size of a tapeworm, tapeworms will never be cute. But before we get too distracted or off topic, let's do this Fennec Fox's scientific name. Scientific names are hard. So here is the sheet of paper. I'm gonna open it and read it for you. Vulpus Zerda. Ooh. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was so good. Did you hear how well I pronounced that? Vulpus Zerda. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's exactly how you say it. Oh, thank you. I've come so far. Oh my goodness, thank you, thank you. I'd like to thank the Fennec Fox for having an easy scientific name. Oh, nothing like those shitty tapeworms. Ah, uh, balance. Cute and disgusting, external and internal, parasite and little sprite. There will always be a weird owl to the world's Michael Jackson. Although I'm not sure who's weirder. Now, if you do need more weirdness in your life, then follow us on Instagram at WAFpodcast. And send me a private message of what weird animal you want to learn about next. If not, then I'll just keep picking them. And I will warn you, it might just keep getting weirder. <laughs> Thank you so much for everyone's support and for listening. And I'll see you next time. Stay weird.